welcome to the Nashville Daily Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Deming, and today's episode is brought to you by Explore Tours. If you want to learn about the city of Nashville, come take a walking tour with us. You can head over to exploretours.com to book your Nashville history walking tour. This is a two-hour-long tour that takes place in downtown Nashville. We learn the history of the Civil War. Uh, we want to learn the history of the civil rights and so much more. Come take a tour with us. Use that code ND10 at exploratours.com. Joining me today is a soap maker here in Nashville, uh, Trevor Sylvia. Did I get your name around? Silva. Close Silva. enough. I'll okay. take it. I'll answer to it. And uh, tell me who you are and what you do. So, yeah, my name is Trevor Silva and um, actually from Northern Virginia originally. And Civil War is a, a, a huge up thing. there. Yep. Yeah. And I actually did Civil War reenacting growing up. So oh, that's really cool. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so For, uh, uh, in the reenactment, were you doing the Union side or the Confederate? So side sadly, or? sadly, Confederate. Um, and depending how your outlook is on that, but sadly, Confederate. Un- unfortunately, in Northern Virginia, there's uh, there's not a lot of Union regiments. Uh, my interest was more in the history of it mm-hmm. um, and the just going out and being a part of it and feeling like you're in, inside the history of it. Uh, but I was uh, with a, a Southern unit, uh, but with both parents being from the North, it was kind of odd yeah. <laughs> to be in there. But um, yeah, I just, I really loved the, I didn't know at the time, you know, it's uh, growing up in that area. Uh, a lot of people have a very preconceived idea of what the South is and that the whole, the South will rise again idea, which Hopefully not, because of a lot of the things that came with that, uh, yep. one being a huge one, slavery. And so, um, you know, I'm glad who won won. And um, I do appreciate the history. And, you know, I think that's one of those things that even today we live, we learn, we look back. And that's why history is so important, mm-hmm. is to be able to grow from it and to be better humans yeah, today I, I totally agree. My, tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into the soap thing. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I yeah, just yeah. want to talk about my favorite reenactment I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. So up in upstate New York, where I'm from, uh, there's a town called Horseheads, and the different tribes would would be fighting against settlers in that area, and they would cut off their horses' heads and throw them into the river. And uh, so they would do reenactments of these battles uh, with fake horses. So it was just a really interesting thing growing up to watch. That is extra. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> tell me tell me about your business and, and, sure. and the making of soap. Yeah, so I, I can't take all the credit on the soap-making front. I do make it all now. I actually create the scents. Um, it was, uh, and what's your company called? It's my cluck hut, C L U C K H U T. Uh, and I know it sounds like a crazy name for a, a soap company. We are actually, we do animal byproduct free and palm oil free. Uh, it's a huge focus on eco-friendliness, but, uh, also putting people before profit. Really what happened was my wife who is, uh, a scientist, she used soap making uh, as an escape in the evenings after virtual meetings all day during the pandemic uh, to clear her head. She wanted to create an eco-friendly, sustainable, pH-balanced soap formula that lasted a long time. Uh, And really, I have to take credit for the excessive drinking in the above-ground pool and making bad chicken jokes, uh, low-key depression that just, you know, everyone's kind of being horrible to each other. Uh, And the two kind of met in the middle. That's where the soap making came from. I started... Um, you know, we, we called our chicken pen the Cluck Hut. And then uh, that name was actually, uh, a friend of ours had bought us bought the website to help us out. Uh, and then he went on a walkabout and disappeared. So my Cluck Hut came out of that, which we like because it gives ownership to it. Whoever says it, it's my Cluck and Soap Bar. It's my Cluck and ideology of people before profit, diversity, eco-friendliness. So it's also yours now, you know, if you claim it. And so it really came out of that. Uh, me, you know, making these bad chicken jokes and my wife making soap. And... Uh, it became a vehicle, really. Uh, more than anything, it became a vehicle to just be the change we wanted to see in the world. It felt like at that time, uh, and still today, 
that, you know, it's depressing to try to think about changing the world from the top down. But you have to start somewhere. And so what we decided was start from the bottom up uh, and build a company that really focused on people first, that kind of built a company uh, that was anti uh, what America should be. You know what I mean? Uh, the guy uh, kind of fights against unfettered capitalism, where it's really not about the money as much as though it is important. Yeah, well, um, well let's talk. Let's deeper, deep, oh, dive deeper into this. Yes, um, please. I believe the American dream is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And yes, there there is corporate overlords that are ruling this world. Mm -hmm. I think we both acknowledge that. But the American dream is entrepreneurship. It is. So what, what, what's your thoughts on that topic? I think it's uh, very important to be an entrepreneur to understand what that means, that you actually have a very large voice uh, in our society, and people look up to that voice. And I'm, you know, it's weird to think that as, a, as an entrepreneur, but uh, the thing that I think we miss a lot of times, uh, America paints this picture of capitalism being only financial. And we forget that there is environmental capitalism. There's humanist capitalism. And if those two don't balance... Can you break those down a little bit more? I'd love to. Uh, environmental capitalism. For instance, the way that we make our product, we have no plastic waste in our production or our packaging. We avoid palm oil, palm derivatives. And the reason being is palm, while it can be sustainably sourced, because of that, there's a black market trade for it. In South America, there's a lot of areas because it can grow in temperate climates mm -hmm. uh, where they'll actually go into these regions. Uh, and this, I say they, cartel, etc they will as much as murder indigenous tribes mm -hmm. to be able to plant and grow there um, and to avoid that is to support environmental capitalism because what's the point in having a billion dollars if you don't have a planet to spend it on mm -hmm. um, humanist capitalism humanism uh, looking at capitalism within, within the human within the human race um, what's the point in killing off your employees by working them to death uh, you know, not making sure that they, you know, if they don't make a good enough wage to even live in the society that they are living in. Um, I think that those, if those two are even with the other, that's where success thrives. So I have a, I have a, a friend of mine who, he was over a organization called Hope for Justice, and it was an organization that fights human trafficking. <clears throat> and uh, he uses the word compassionate capitalism. And nice. basically it's looking at the markets that still use slavery today, because there's a lot of those markets that still uh -huh. use slavery, and, and figuring out where that slavery is still happening, where your your supply chain is is, is sourcing from. So that he uses that term, compassionate capitalism. I love which that. that. That's I, I've started to embrace that type of entrepreneurship of hey, where is this coming from? And yes, if you look around this studio, you have no idea where most of this stuff comes from. And that's, that's that's our life. And, that, and that's, that's every and that's day. Like some of these lights, you're like, okay, this was most likely made with slave labor at some point. Mm -hmm. um, everything in this room was probably touched by that supply chain. It's that one small choice, though. It's like I'll give you, and this is a very basic example, but our soap dishes. Okay, we well, originally what's a soap dish? So a soap, ho ho like holding the soap. So okay. we cure our soaps four weeks to let them dry in a good drying dish between uses. Makes them last like two to three months. Kind of frustratingly, frustratingly long for an ADHD brain. I have to switch them out. But um, our our one soap dish that we uh, had been selling, we had two one, and they were both actually made in China because uh, I couldn't find a producer that was affordable. There, well, there's no American producers. I found one. It, yeah. 
Pacific really? Northwest. Okay. I found a company. It's a gentleman. We actually spoke on the, on the phone for about an hour before we even worked together. He has, they're all handmade by his company uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, yeah, he sh they're affordable and he ships them to me. Uh, he stays in contact. It's, it's awesome. The, the fact that they're made in America is amazing. Uh, but it's those little, little choices. And the way I view our business is this. As I said before, it's so overwhelming to think about changing the world from the top down. What I wanted to do with this business was provide a choice where when people chose our product, they were joining a tribe of other humans who are making a choice to support a business that does that work for them, that tries their damnedest to find products, research their supply line, make sure that they're buying sustainably sourced ingredients, raw materials. It is it, taking that step alone when you're like, I'm doing a sustainable thing. Yay, me. But when you do it with a tribe of warriors, of eco-warriors that you know are doing it together, it does feel like you could actually be a part of the change. And doing that one little bit of a change, I find really is the step out the door you need to really make a successful day of being the change. Mm -hmm. And it starts with soap that smells amazing in the shower and you feel refreshed and you're ready to go and kick ass. <laughs> Can you uh, walk me through some of the scents of soap that you guys have? Ooh, I'd love to. So our, um, our bestseller, which is actually one of our earliest uh, introductions, it is a oak and bourbon barrel kind of scent. And early on, uh, I wasn't as involved at the very beginning because my wife was really making it. I was sous chefing her, so preparing everything. Um, but I said, <laughs> I was like, well, we obviously have to call this WTC, Whiskey Tango Charlie. Yeah. Or what the cluck. Because, of course, we do. Uh, but we have, we have a bunch of great ones. Uh, our Rustic Woods, it's got a uh, kind of a mixture of some cedar, some amber, some rum. Uh, and those are in our more traditionally masculine line. Sense for everyone, but obviously as a chicken-themed soap company, mm -hmm. that's our cock line because roosters, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we also have a fruit and citrus line. Uh, and by the way, if you find our, our soaps in stores, on the box it says cock line, and then down the, on the bottom right, it says cock line, he, she, they. And the reason we do that is because scent is for everyone, you know, and that's a way of saying it. And also letting people know that we are allies and we do support you and, um, and your pronouns and who you, who you are. We also do a fruit and citrus line, she, he, they. And then our, we actually do also have a non-barnary line. Uh, and the reason we do a non-barnary line is because I create the scents. Uh, I'm a scentologist. I study scentology. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes sense. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, but we, um, we create, uh, I create scents that I've, I enjoy. I don't think about them as masculine or feminine. It's just, is that an awesome scent? Let's, let's use it. And so we started affectionately calling them our non-barnary line. They, them. It's for everyone. Um, and so we have all kinds of great stuff. Our apple champagne is a hot seller. Um, Blue Moon Flower, which is the non, one of the first of the non-barnary, which is an acronym BMF. It's a bad mother. But that word's off-brand, so it'd have to be a bad mother clucker. Mm -hmm. um, but all kinds of good stuff. Lemon sage ginger is my wife's favorite. Um, and you can find it. I mean, you can find it here in town. Uh, Troll House Cottage, Galena Garlic, Turnip Truck, Ace Hardware, bunch of spots. Mention the second one again. The uh, Galena Garlic. Where's that? Galena Garlic's awesome. Uh, so they are at 10th and Fatherland. Okay. Over at East yeah, Nashville. Yeah, yeah. So in those little shops in Fall yeah. Island? Okay. That's all, they do a lot of olive oil. They have garlic, of course. Um, they do infused olive oils and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also make a Castile soap out of their olive oil that they sell there. Oh, that's uh, cool. Which is 100% olive oil soap. 
What uh, what type of whiskey are you using for your whiskey scent? So it's actually there is no whiskey in yeah. it. Yeah, originally we did make it with whiskey, um, and it, it's basically any kind of liquid that you use is a vehicle to introduce the lye mm -hmm. to the oils, uh, and it's it's amazing. Some of those, like whiskey, for instance, when you mix the lye together, um, it immediately it has a chemical reaction where it goes up to almost two hundred degrees immediately. Well, whiskey has a lot of sugar in yep. it. And the smell of burnt sugar, mm -hmm. we couldn't get it out of our house. <laughs> You'd smell it for days. Oh, yeah. Uh, just letting the, the, the two mix. So um, we decided to move away from that. And uh, it was just honestly cost effectiveness. Uh, we try you know, our hardest to make sure we are able to provide an affordable product that brings people in at a cost point they're comfortable with. How much is a bar of soap? They're $8. Okay. Uh, and it ranges anywhere from 8 to eight fifty, depending in stores. On our website, they're 8 um, But it is... Um, with a not... minimum requirement of like three to get free shipping or... So what we do is uh, shipping, if you spend $51... Okay. You get free shipping. Yep. Uh, we do bundles, three of the same or five of the same is 10 or 15% off. Uh, we do some different bundle deals on there that are, are discounts on the website. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it, it is it is tough to to be sustainable and eco-friendly and be affordable, and we're able to to make it happen. But that's one of the reasons we have to watch it. Like, whiskey was a little out of our budget oh, yeah. to bring it in on every bar, even though it wasn't that much used. But $35 a bottle. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, the, for the okay stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. What, what, what did you do before you got into soap making? Uh, well, um, alcoholic, um, uh, oh, touring musician, both, both actually for a yeah. while. Yeah. Uh, no, I was a touring drummer for about 16 years okay. and uh, moved here in 05 and then uh, kind of hired gun, just did different stuff, whatever paid. And basically, the, like they always say, um, what is the saying? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lie. Um, I did what I loved, and it became work. And the problem was I was playing everyone else's music uh, instead of doing what I mine, stuff I loved. And as a drummer, obviously, you don't get to go on stage and just start playing unless you're very specifically a few drummers in history. Um, so, you know, it came to the point where I realized I'm on the road all the time. It's a day job. You have to be gone 24-7 to do. And it hit me like, what is the end game here? What's the retirement plan? You know, uh, do I end up on Broadway in a studio? Like, uh, and I just kind of got to the point where I just didn't, I couldn't anymore. I had anxiety every time before I headed out. And I tried to do the Broadway thing towards the end and more power to the players that can do it. Um, it was the fourth time through Wagon Wheel at noon on a Saturday with one person in the bar um, at the end of my career when I was like, I'm going to stay home. I'm just going to play in town uh, that I that I quit. Mm -hmm. I didn't quit on I did quit on stage. I played the rest of the show, but I, uh, I was like, man, I'm done. I yeah. can't. I can't do this anymore. And so it took about two years. And something interesting that happened was I, I had this realization of I think we all spend our lives figuring, trying to figure out what we want to do when we grow up. And I needed to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew mm -hmm. up. Because who I am at the core of me was always going to be no matter what I did. And so it was really the pandemic was a self-reflective time of kind of like, wow, okay, I'm already not doing anything because I had retired about a year before I had a studio. And I really just kind of made a lateral move with the studio. I was then doing sync licensing, which is just playing, yep. making a song that's kind of like the song they want you to, you know, they want to use, but they can't afford. Yep. And so I ended up in the same kind of boat. And so the pandemic was a time of going, okay, well, I, I'm an empath. I, you know, I really, 
uh, I, I do struggle with depression and, you know, super ADHD. So I, I, you know, I have this superpower brain if I use it correctly. I can hyper-focus like nobody's business. You know why I know how to sew? Yeah. There was two weeks in my life one time I was like, this is what I'm doing. Yep. So it became something where it's like, okay, I can do all these things. The hyper-focus of changing thing to thing, the hobby to hobby, is never going to get me anywhere. It had to be about mission before money and mission before the skill set. Now, what I've learned about being a small business owner is yesterday I was in the wood shop building, designing and building uh, shelves for our festivals and markets that were collapsible and, you know, stuff like that. And then I'll be creating a new scent or we have a, a new product coming out that um, I used our original soap formula and made a proprietary blend of essential oils to create what we're calling our Skeeter bar, our cluck off Skeeter bar. And we're beta testing it. Everyone that's used it, no skeeters to touch you. Just bathe with it once a day. So stuff like that, like all over the map, but that's what keeps my brain interested. Yeah. Um, and the fact is, again, it's mission before money. We get to go out there and love people and show people they're accepted for who they are, advocate for humans, and with no religious background or anything to it, just because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Now, let's focus in on Nashville as a whole. Sure. Uh, you live in East Nashville, correct? correct. Uh, so uh, what's your, like... What's your favorite neighborhood besides East Nashville? What's one, some of your favorite things to do in town? Wow. Okay. For future reference, asking a, asking a small business owner what they do yeah. besides that, <laughs> we really don't get out a whole lot anymore. I used to go out a lot. And we also um, uh, gave up drinking a few, four months ago, just because it wasn't serving us anymore. Like at being foggy in the mornings and what I just didn't have time for it. And so, um, uh, you know, and I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. So, uh, but I still, you know, we, we go out once in a while. We love going to, um, like Gray's wild cow. Um, we go out to Coy East Nashville. Uh, I came up in the five points family, uh, 2005 when I moved here, started working at beyond the edge pretty early on, okay. uh, going to alley cat and, you know, red door, whatnot. So, uh, I still miss that family. Like I go out yesterday, I went to pick up food from beyond the edge and came in and it was just like a, felt like a homecoming, you know, mm -hmm. and I live less than a mile away, but it's still, um, we just between the business and just life. We have chickens and a huge garden and, you know, we turned our backyard into our oasis during the pandemic. And so mm -hmm. taking, and we've also been taking our home back from the business now that it's out of the, uh, out of the house. And so I don't know what happened to me, but I, I'm kind of starting to feel that, uh, it's nesting, I believe they call it. It's weird. And we've been in this house since for, say, 2009. Okay. But I, I, it took a while. I, I guess 40 is the year for, for some of us. Yeah. Uh, start doing, you know, but I built myself a wood shop. And, you know, I love to get out there and do that when I have time. And mm -hmm. uh, But as far as Nashville goes, I do, you know, it saddens me to see a lot of the independent venues going. Because that was something that I think, you know, is, that's something that's super important to the music, to our identity as a, as a music culture. Uh, luckily, you know, we still do have the five spot. We were able to, for now, save the exit in. And, um, you know, you have places like the East Room, you know, Springwater. Like, these, these little spots are, to me, they identify with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I moved here, I moved to the East Side. And everyone was like, oh, my, you, you moved on purpose? And then it was always, uh, if people did happen to come out to the east side to hang out, it was, uh, they'd share in their MySpace the next day. I went to the east side. I had ventured over there. It's like, bro, we live here. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So I think I identify with some of those uh, kind of, um, like, dusty uh 
eccentric, outgoing places that aren't afraid to be themselves and just to exist. Uh, and I think that's where some of the greatest music in our town comes from is those holes in the wall. Yeah, Springwater is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I was a dirt bag, by the way. I was the pitcher for the Springwater dirt bags. Okay. Is that a baseball that, team? No, it's a softball oh, team. Softball team. Okay. Back in 2008, 2009, if you don't know about the dirt bags, it was uh, basically we just had a cooler of beer and we played in a, a softball league that it, we never really won. Okay. Because you were drinking too much? I mean, we were just kind of scumbags. Okay. <laughs> say the least uh paps blue ribbon and uh you know M mickey ponies because if you do the 12 yeah, yeah. you're not getting drunk unless you do because you are yeah but no that was back 2008 2009 so if you ever look up go in the spring water look on the wall there's a picture of okay. a few of them of the dirt bags and anyways was it their sponsored team yeah okay yeah it was the spring water dirt bags yeah, okay that makes sense it does it adds yeah. all the way up doesn't it yeah it does uh, so <laughs> it, it's a great venue um we've been asking this question over the last few months uh, is Music City losing its branding? Uh, so let me give, let me City, give context yeah. to that. Uh, so basically, uh, we're at a point where all of these developers are coming in, buying potentially some of these historic venues. A lot of them are restoring these venues. Like that's not really talked about in in, in the front facing side. Uh, like um, a lot of the people that own Wedgwood Houston, like they're restoring a lot of these historic venues to what they their glory days, mm -hmm. and that's happening. So, but a lot of it is is Nashville getting too pricey for musicians to live here. So uh, that's where the context is coming from. And a lot of people have said, yes, Nashville is potentially losing its branding of Music City. So what's your thoughts? I can only tell you my experience here. And when I, when I first moved here, the first three houses I lived in uh, were prime real estate. Uh, and uh, there was one that was three houses down. It was a six, five bedroom house, three houses down for beyond the edge and five points, four roommates paying two seventy five a person. That's and, a good price. Yeah, that back then. Yeah. Well, that was yeah, anytime. But yeah, back then. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, uh, what happened, what I saw happen in East Nashville is kind of what happens everywhere. Is you have these front runners that are kind of the eclectic, they call them hipsters, uh, the creatives that come into a neighborhood. And the reason we end up there is because that's what we can afford. That's it. We just can afford the area and we live with the native population there and we all get along. It's symbiotic. And then what happens is there's this next level that comes in of people that want to be a part of th this thing that's happening. And slowly but surely, it builds until you get to the point where all of a sudden the developers see that the white folks want to do this thing. And it's unfortunately usually white folks that do it uh, coming in and they then they start bastardizing. That's what I think has happened more than anything. It's not that these. Yeah, the venues will look great. They'll be they'll be back to their original glory. But at what cost? What's the heart, the mission behind them? See, a lot of these venues that were started, they were started by people like Grimy at the basement because they're music lovers and they wanted to provide a place for these local, you know, artists that were didn't have a ton of money, couldn't pay to be on showcases and bills to have a place to play. Um, and it doesn't matter what the venue looks like. It can be pristine back to its original glory. What is the mission behind it? And I think that's the thing is we're seeing a lot of what what's happening in our in our music scene kind of bastardize what they've seen and it's really just how capitalism works it's taking what they've seen works and trying to promote it to a larger audience um you know playing on broadway and just playing covers for people you know 
that are drunk and hollering and trying to get on stage, and that's great. Um, and also, you know, that's not original music. Like, if, if true music music heads would want to come and be like, play me what you wrote. Show me your artistry. Show me your heart. Uh, instead of screaming Freebird, you know, at the yep. top of their lungs. The, the, the counter dick that, though. Yeah. That's our economic driver for our city. Absolutely. And, and no, and, I'm not knocking yeah, yeah. it. And so... Uh, you asked me where, yep. where it came from. and that. But here's the thing. I think that it is an economic driver. I think that um, it comes down to neighborhoods and where where that drive is. Yep. Downtown is that drive. And that's awesome. It boosts our economy. As long as we're spending the money in the right places, I support it. Um, I think as far as the neighborhoods go, we're starting to see a little bit of the influx. The party bus is coming, which is like, oh, oh, okay. It kind of used to feel like kind of our safe spot, you know? Yeah, I think <laughs> a it's... Little bit. Talking about neighborhoods, we've been working uh, and we've joined almost every chamber in the surrounding area. Yeah. Uh, and some of these people are on the forefront of protecting the neighborhoods. Like Donaldson is a great neighborhood to talk about. It's going to become the food mecca of Nashville. I've been saying that for the last three or four years. Yep. There's a lot coming to the Donaldson market, but it still hasn't been fully touched by developers like the Nations mm -hmm. or parts of East Nashville. And I think it, it depends on what the old guard is, if they're still guarding that neighborhood. And Donaldson's a neighborhood they are. But yeah. in 10 years, that old guard, unfortunately, will be passed away. And so then there's a new guard that comes in. So it's, just, it's really interesting to watch. Um, I think there's incredible neighborhoods in Nashville. There's incredible things to do in this city. Uh, what, what are some of your other favorite restaurants? I know you mentioned the Wild Cow and a few others, but do you oh. have other favorite restaurants in town? Uh, yeah, so if, if we actually do leave the east side, uh, Eastern Peak yep. is a place I freaking love. Um, the Eastern Peak, so do you go the one in Thompson Lane or yeah, the one in West Nashville? The Thompson Lane one. So the last time I was there, um, uh, I developed a strip allergy over the last couple of years. And so uh, the last time I was too. there, it like... I almost had to put the EpiPen oh, in. It no. was bad. So, but the food is great. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you can breathe. If yeah, you can I breathe, can, the can food breathe. is phenomenal. Have you been to Deg Thai off of Nolansville Pike? I've, I, I've, I hate to say it, ordered it. I've had it delivered. I've postmated it. <laughs> okay. You need to go in person. Okay. It is. It's fantastic Thai food. My favorite Thai is actually in Mount Julia. It's called Samurai Thai. Oh, yeah. Um, it's over in Providence, uh, the shopping center. Mm -hmm. it, it is fantastic. Uh, do you have any... Um, like, uh, what's your favorite attraction in town? Ooh, attraction in town. I love the parks. Now, I, I mean, the, just getting into the parks for me, I know that doesn't attract everyone, but uh, I love going down by the Cumberland. I love yep. going walking the Greenway. Um, and Nashville has some of the best parks in the country. It does. Yep. And we actually have some amazing uh, Civil War stuff very close. You mm -hmm. know, obviously the Battle of Nashville, 1864, the Battle of Franklin. Uh, actually, the house we live in is on Confederate Hill. In East Nashville, is that where the Confederates laid their cannons to fire into Nashville? Uh, was it November 17th and 18th? Uh, so the, bat the Battle of Nashville happened December uh, 14th and 15th. 14th and 15th, sorry, yep. thank you. And it was November 30th was Battle of Franklin. Yes. Uh, yep. Anyways, ooh, look at us. And then Battle of Stones River was Man, December 29th or December 30th. Mm hmm which that, that battle, have you studied I, that battle a much? A little bit, not a lot. Okay. So Northern Virginia more than anything. Um, okay. But, you know, Look into Stones River. I will. Uh, because the night before the battle, they were about a mile apart, the Confederate band started playing a song, and then the Union bands were in tune playing the same song for the rest of the night. Incredible story. That's awesome. Yeah. See, that, that's the kind of stuff that tears me up. It's just like, you know, even looking at the Civil War, I think that brings us full circle back to what I was talking about earlier. It's like 
the people f that are here in the minions that are fighting the fights are being dictated by these people above them, and they really aren't enemies when it comes down to it. And I think that's just as novel a concept today that we forget that we're all... We all bleed the same. We do, and we have more in common than we have apart. And I think that's where soap comes in to be very important is something that we all use, and it's a metaphor for the fact that it's like, yo, you want to clean your bum? I want to clean my bum. And guess what? Now that we feel better, maybe we could have a conversation yep. uh, that has a little bit less anger in it because we got clean bums. Well, well, Trevor, where can people order the soap? <laughs> yeah, we have uh, our website. We do e-commerce at mycluckhut.com. That's M-Y-C-L-U-C-K-H-U-T.com. Uh, but then also uh, you can go through Market Wagon, which is an awesome online uh, farmer's market that delivers to you. Uh, and then if you go to the Find Us tab on our website, you can find where we're going to be in the wild. Uh, so Farmer's Markets Festival, stuff like that, and where we are in stores. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Head over to NashvilleDailyPodcast.com to see the show notes of today's episode. Also, come take a walking tour with us at ExploreTours.com. You can use the code ND10 to, talk, uh, to take 10% off of your tour at ExploreTours.com. Uh, we learn about the city of Nashville and the history and where the city of Nashville is going. We hope that you guys have a great day, and thank you for listening to the Nashville Daily Podcast. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Nashville Daily Podcast. If you want to learn more, head to NashvilleDailyPodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media at Explore.Nash on Instagram, Nashville Daily Podcast on YouTube, and Explore.Nash on YouTube as well. The Nashville Daily Podcast is an Explore LLC production, copyright 2023.